Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again to discuss every reference of the kingdom in the Gospels. And I don't know about you, but I am enjoying this study. It's not really a study. I'm enjoying this exploration. It's been fun for me, and I hope it's been edifying and encouraging and challenging, and it's been a blessing to you as well. So I have uh, Nikki V with me once again. We're sitting in a hotel in an obscure town. A bunker deep beneath the earth. Well, you know, it's crazy out there, folks, so you have to do something. But uh, this is actually a scary place, I will say. But we're here <laughs> under the Lord's protection. And Nikki, you're going to start it off. Okay. I would also just like to note that you picked this place. So if it's scary, it's because you picked it. It is. And right. I will have the listening audience I know that this is the least scary of all places. <laughs> that tells you how frightening this whole town is. Tell you where we're not at. We're not at Disney World. <laughs> All right, um, so we're at Matthew twelve twenty-eight, and I'm also going to read Luke eleven twenty counterpart to it, worded really beautifully in Luke. So let's go ahead and start with Matthew twelve twenty-eight. The context here is that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees after performing the horrible act of healing a demon-possessed man who was both blind and mute, um, and he's in trouble again. So his response to them after some accusation is. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And then over in Luke 11:20, we have the same story, slightly different articulation. And this is 11:20. Um, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So we've got the Spirit of God, and in Luke we've got the finger of God, that the kingdom has come to you and then in Luke it's come upon you um, and if I can just slide in the net version here I've been doing some reading in the NET is that the uh, internet version <laughs> the guys that invented the internet did this did this translation <laughs> Al Gore thank you so much uh, but I do like I do like the wording in the net here it says then the kingdom of God has already overtaken you mm. which I love the just the visual of that all right, well, Frankie V, uh, what have you got for us here? This is um, the Lord in a, having being cornered to defend himself again um, after doing a yet another good work. Mm -hmm. um, what do you got? I got nothing, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing now. Uh, I don't know. A few things stick out to me. Of course, this is in the middle of this horrendous accusation that the Pharisees threw at Jesus that what Jesus was doing was motivated and sourced by the works of hell. And I've covered this story and 
the comment that Jesus made about binding the strong man in episode 80 of this podcast. So if you're new to it, you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go back and listen to that because that's really the context for this statement. What I find really interesting and encouraging is that most of the Jews during this day believe that the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, basically had withered. Um, His work ceased with the death of the last of the prophets. And the belief was that the Spirit of God would come back on the scene, would begin to operate in power with the coming of the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom. So when Jesus says, see what I'm doing here, I'm casting out demons, I'm doing it by the Spirit of God, he in effect was saying, the new age has now broken into the present. The Messiah is here. And by new age, you do not mean new age. (laughs) The new age movement? No, I mean the real new age. The new age movement, boys and girls, is a counterfeit of the new age of the kingdom, which is present in this passage. He clearly says that if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, which he was doing, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here's the kingdom that you've been waiting for, and the Messiah of that kingdom is here standing in your midst. The kingdom is right here. Wherever Jesus is and wherever Jesus' work is being done, there's the kingdom. It's present. And so he was in effect saying, the Messiah is here. I'm the Messiah because the Spirit of God is now in operation. This is how I'm doing all these things. And then in Luke, he uses the phrase, the finger of God. And of course, we have that image in Exodus. When God wrote the tables of stone, Exodus 8, Exodus 31, Deuteronomy 9, Psalm 8 are all passages that use the term finger of God, which points to God's power. And of course, the finger is part of the hand. The hand of God is all over the Old Testament as an image of God's power. And even the arm of the Lord, which is used in the Old Testament is a picture of God's power. So the finger of God and the spirit of God all point to the power of God. In terms of application, this is going to sound contradictory to a previous episode, but it really isn't. So stay with me here. We live in a time where there is a great re-emphasis on an old doctrine that said that the kingdom of God is something we humans bring about by working for justice, by trying to uh, alleviate the suffering of the poor, by liberating those who are, are oppressed. And typically the push is through using political power, social organizations, and I think all of that is good, but you don't get the kingdom without Jesus. And you don't get the kingdom without the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's possible to engage in good works, whether it's helping poor people, whether it's trying to uh, bring justice to those who are oppressed and mistreated, the engagement of social justice efforts. It's possible to do all those things without Jesus Christ being in the mix and being enthroned as king and without the power of the Holy Spirit. Human power can do a lot. We have the ability to, to do good, but remember, Good comes off of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Human beings, even unregenerate human beings, atheists even, can engage in good deeds. 
helping fellow humans. This is supernatural. And wherever Jesus is operating in a supernatural way, it doesn't have to be miraculous. It doesn't have to be dramatic, right? Supernatural simply means the Holy Spirit is the source of it. He is behind it. He is giving us the energy for it. He's leading it. He's empowering us to do good in the world. But it's coming from him, and it's all pointing to the kingship of Jesus. Again, it gets back to the seeking of his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of living, God's will. So you can have a person engaged in good works, trying to help other humans without the power of Jesus Christ, without the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom, without the Holy Spirit, and without magnifying Christ as the only and rightful and true king and the call to, to follow him. That's not kingdom work. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is always demonstrated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So we carry on that work, and we have to see the nuance here. God operates through miraculous means and natural means, but he still operates through both. The question then is, is this coming from the Holy Spirit of God? Am I relying on the Holy Spirit of God and not myself? And if I am and people are being liberated and Jesus is being proclaimed and enthroned and he's being magnified and glorified as king, that's where the kingdom of God is. And it's present. It's now. It's not something we wait for. Super. Yeah, I think that's a, just a really important distinction to make. Um, I mean, at its essence, the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. He himself mm-hmm. is the kingdom of God. You said elsewhere about the kingdom being, you know, composed of three things, right? You have the king, his the, rulership, the rulership, and the people. And, the people. and what you just described there is is the corporate Christ, the the head and the body, you got the king, you got the people, and you got the rulership. So Jesus Christ is the initial embodiment of that kingdom, and the kingdom expanding is when it expands into us and we come under his his rulership as well. And so he's having this, I don't even know if we can call it an argument, but a confrontation at least with the Pharisees who are taking issue with him. And what I was thinking of as you were talking was actually in Romans 8, where it says, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So where the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed, there is a liberty that is produced. Paul referred to it as the glorious liberty of the children of God. But liberty from what? Liberty to do whatever you want? <laughs> liberty, like what, is the, what does the term liberty mean here as, as Paul is telling us? And it's, it's a liberty, it's a freeing from the bondage of corruption. So it comes back to seeking the kingdom and his righteousness again. So you can have all of the, the activity we're talking about a few minutes ago apart from Christ. Yeah. And while you might be helping people on some level, are they being set free also from the bondage of corruption, their own corruption, 
the corruption of other people toward them. If that's not happening, then you are not participating in the expansion of the kingdom of God. That is that is a part of it. That's that's part of the the wake. If you think of a boat as it comes driving by, it pulls that wake in behind it, and that wake kind of dissipates mm. outward in, in, in several directions. So there's always a wake to the proclamation of the gospel and to the living out of the gospel. And one of the things in the wake of that is, yes, that suffering is alleviated, but also that there is an escaping from the bondage of corruption. That is another thing that's in the wake, in the trail of the proclamation of the true gospel of the kingdom. And so you can have people doing good works, even works that on the external look like kingdom works. But if it's not a proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then you're not going to have the liberty from the bondage of corruption. And, and that's that whole righteousness thing where we had yeah. talked about in a previous episode. That's part of the, the evidence and the, the, the byproduct, the trailings, the trickling behind of the proclamation of the gospel as we see things like what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 12. You're seeing somebody who is being alleviated of tremendous suffering and then also, you know, Jesus being accused of something. But that other that other element that's there always is this liberty from the bondage of corruption. Yeah, that's great. You know, this business about casting demons out, um, I am one who believes that demonic spirits in the Gospels and in the New Testament, Book of Acts, etc., are not metaphors. They are real entities, disembodied spirits who are malevolent, who are seeking to inhabit human beings to their destruction. And I believe that such demonic spirits are still on the earth, tormenting people. But I think in the body of Christ, we tend to have fallen off one side of the horse or the other. The one side is to say that there is no such thing as demonic spirits. This is an archaic world that we enter into when we read the New Testament, and that was their way of describing mental illness, right? So there's no such thing as casting out a demon. The other side of the horse is to say everything that is unusual or eccentric or negative in a person's life is demonic, and they're possessed or they are demonized, right? And so you have people on both sides of the aisle. One, it's a lack of understanding of the unseen realm and everything is rationalistic and materialistic. But the other is this overemphasis on the demonic, not recognizing that much of what we call demonic is actually flesh, right? And there is, we covered this in an earlier episode on mental illness and demonic possession. Some of it is organic to the brain and brain chemistry. It's not a case of possession. Having said that, there are cases of true demonic possession. I've experienced it myself in dealing with some people who were in fact demonized. And this is one of the things that we as Jesus followers have been equipped to do. We have been equipped to cast out demons whether they're possessing a person or oppressing a person. But again, like we covered in a previous episode, there are certain things required for us to be able to leverage that kind of power. There are safeguards, too, that, that should be observed. 
But those are demonstrations that the kingdom of God has in fact come. It is here. And this is what we see in the ministry of Jesus. It is a present demonstration that the new age has broken into the present age. God's kingdom, heaven, as it were, has broken into the earth. And this is what the Lord seeks to expand and extend through his people today. Well, I think we'll end it there. Again, you can go back and listen to episode 80 on binding the strong man, and it will fill in a lot of the details and the gaps that we have left out here. Until next time, be good. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.